0: Hello, and welcome to the Challenge Podcast, where we discuss all things public service in Singapore. I'm your host, Douglas O'Loughlin, a consultant in organization transformation and a former public officer. And for this podcast, we'll be speaking to public officers on a wide range of backgrounds. And today we have a very special guest. I'm a big fan of Rovic Robert. So, welcome, Rovic, to the show.
1: Thank you. How's it going?
0: Yeah, it's great. How about you?
1: Not too bad, it's a Monday when we're recording, uh, so I'm starting off the week, but this is a, a great way to start it with you, Doug.
0: <laughs> yeah, you too. I'm a huge fan of who you are, what you do, so it's a it's a privilege.
1: Yeah, you can't see it right now, but I'm blushing, so <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> That's good. Well, maybe uh, to start with the big picture, you know, you've been involved in so many things. Uh you know, starting from what, at least what I know of, you know, Hitting Good and SG Explained and, you know, you're working at EDB and you also do uh, Clubhouse and Better.sg. So you're involved in all these things. And sure. <laughs> There's a, a lot of people have ideas. A lot of people do some things. But you're doing a lot of really, really good work. And I'm just wondering. What is it about you, your background, your life experience that's created such an energy in you to get involved in so many amazing causes?
1: Yeah. uh, Wow, that's a great question to start with. I think it started very young for me. Uh, I've always been curious about how the world works, and especially how we can make an impact in in some of the stuff we do. Um, I also think I've seen situations, as, as a person who's grown up in Singapore, as a minority, as someone who's maybe had the experience of being an immigrant, uh, I've seen a lot of cases where there could be you know, uh, better ways to approach topics of justice, topics of inclusion. And that has always been a motivation for me as well. So, as I grew up, I tried to find platforms where maybe I could start building a voice, start, you know, representing the communities I was in, and at a certain point, even start fighting for communities that maybe didn't have a voice yet and creating space for them. So, public service was, of course, uh, an intuitive calling. I think my mom, being in the public service as well, kind of inspired me a bit for that, Uh, but... A lot of the stuff I did with The Hidden Good, with SG Explained, it's really just extensions of that same energy, right? It's about trying to give people a voice, trying to find ways to talk about things that need to be talked about, uh, and inspiring others to also find their own voices in whatever they do.
0: Wow, very inspiring. See, that's why I'm a big (laughs) fan of you and, and what you do. Thank you. Have you seen much uh, change in society and shifting uh, the willingness to have some of those co- more difficult conversations, willing to look at, you know, minority issues and all that? Have you seen, what have you seen shifting over the years? Yeah. anything?
1: Yeah. I think we're a lot more conscious these days. And of course, a lot of that has to be, you know, attributed to social media, to the internet. But. I think it's also how we use some of these tools. So The Hidden Good came about in a time where, you know, really the <laughs> the key driver of social news was Stomp, right? And for those who don't know what Stomp is, it's basically this online portal where people could just submit citizen news. And a lot of it was very negative and pessimistic. And that started to define a lot of what Singaporean culture was. And, of course, with any kind of, of negative news, it tended to take on some pretty dark undertones, mm-hmm. whether it's about race or, or, or ethnicity or even nationality. And I think that was where I saw an opportunity for Leon, who was my co-founder, uh, and I to to actually try to change the narrative, right? And that was my first kind of dabble into some of this. So when we put out a lot of these videos, we started to see actually people were looking for a platform. They were looking for uh, somewhere where they could also have a voice. And we just happen to be uh, almost like a lightning rod for them to just come and move towards. And I think as we saw that evolve, now a lot of the people who are involved in the end good have started a lot of their own initiatives. Uh, online media tends to be, in my opinion at least, in Singapore, a bit more balanced. You get, You see people you know, any, for any negative comment that's out there, there tends to be someone else who's willing to, to counter it with some positive examples and, and provide a bit more of a balanced narrative. So I, I do think spaces are shifting. I think there's more spaces for minority voices. I think there's more spaces for diverse voices. Of course, there's a long way for us to go uh, in creating space for inclusion, but I do think we're much better off than, you know, a couple of years back.
0: Wow, congratulations. Yeah. I mean, the idea of not only starting an initiative, but having it trigger other initiatives, you know, is really inspiring and amazing. So well done to you and Leon and all the team from Hitting Good.
1: Definitely one of the things I'm proudest about, that community that we're we're still a part of, yeah. Yeah,
0: Nice. And I guess the next initiative is uh, SG Explain. So maybe just talk about where that came from.
1: Yeah. uh, (laughs) I think... Maybe the, uh, there's a recurring trend here, which is I, maybe I get a bit itchy too fast. Uh, but when I first came back from college, um, I was looking for ways to get plugged back in to what was happening in Singapore. Uh, the podcast community was a bit more active in the West, right? So you had a lot of these emerging shows coming out. You had Serial, which was, you know, doing uh, fiction, or rather, Serial was doing narrative-style podcasts. And that really started a whole trend in the U.S., And so I started thinking about what podcasting could look like back in Singapore, and I tried to combine my need to find out more about Singapore with my interest in podcasting. So I said to a couple of my friends, you know, I don't know anything about CPF, but I need to apparently know enough to to know how much to put in or how to maximize it. And so I decided rather than to just feel lost about it, why don't I do the research and maybe try to find a way to summarize it or synthesize it so that it's understandable, not just for me, but you know, for anyone else who wants to listen to it.
0: Very cool. Um, having listened to a number of episodes, um, it's, uh, it's really great that you've, Done a wide variety of issues, as you say, policy issues from different agencies, but also uh, food and culture and community work. So, um, and just put in a plug, can you remind people or tell people where they can find SG Explained somewhere yeah. out there?
1: Hopefully, anywhere that you listen to your podcast, uh, you can just search SG Explained.
0: And there may be one more uh, initiative that you're part of, which I, I really think everyone in Singapore it would be really helpful to be aware of uh, before we get into some of the areas. Is the better.sg, can mm-hmm. you f- explain to folks what that's all about?
1: Yeah, so better.sg is a tech for good collective. Uh, basically it's meant to be almost like a watering hole for anyone interested in a tech for good space. So you don't have to be a developer or a programmer. Uh, you could be someone who is what we call a domain expert. So maybe you're in the healthcare sector, social sector, or even the education sector, and you want to see how tech tools could help address some of the problem statements there. Uh, you could be designers, you could be uh, maybe even just business development people, right, because a lot of what we're trying to do is also build sustainable tools. And the idea is that we bring people together, uh, we have a common set of tools and and maybe guidance and, and community that we can uh, provide to people, and what they do is they start projects. So under better.sg, I have two roles. Um, I do content, so <laughs> I also do podcasting for Better.sg, and, and I help with some of the editorial stuff, uh, and I oversee a team of you know awesome contributors, and then I also am co-leading a project on how we can create spaces for diversity in Singapore. So it's about dialogues and how to scale spaces for dialogues, which is uh, you know, it's it it has the jargon, but it's a bit tricky, right? And, and and it's a it's a problem statement we we're really really passionate about. So I love, I love being part of these communities. I mean, fun fact, I used to be a computer science major. Mm-hmm. Or rather, I guess I am a computer science major. It doesn't change. Uh, but, and so coming back and working in my current role, which is you know uh, economic development, I, I guess I wanted to find a space where I could still apply some of my tech skills. And so this was a really good place to to kind of see that in action as well.
0: Yeah. Actually, all the things that you do uh, sound like a full-time job already. And <laughs> you've reminded us that you also you do have a full-time job as a policy officer at EDB. So how do those worlds merge? Just how does all the social work um, kind of feed into what you do at EDB and vice versa?
1: Yeah. So, so I mean, I was already drawn to EDB because I, I'm really passionate about the concept of moving the boundaries in which Singapore can operate, right? So this idea that a lot of what Singapore is able to achieve is really down to the imaginations of, of our people. And it, at the EDB, that's where a lot of it lives, right? We we imagine what we can do with our resources, with our talent, uh, and how we can create good jobs for our, for Singaporeans. So I was drawn to, to the mission. I wanted to, to be a part of it. And when I joined, I think when, so so I actually, I got a scholarship, right, with the EDB. And this was before I started the hidden good and before I started all of these things. So I was a young chap, not really knowing what I was going to do with my life. Um, and in that period where I went to college or I was in, in the Army, I started to discover some of these passions. So when I when I did come back to EDB, I tried to figure out a way to to meld a lot of these things together. So within EDB, I... I started doing policy work really because I wanted to understand the foundation of what we were doing. So my current team, we look at a lot of uh, the core tools that you know EDB uses, whether it's incentives, tax, or trade. Uh, but as a result of my of of the stuff I do outside, I've also started to develop um, a, a sort of intuition around how communication works, right? Around how we tell stories and how we engage people on the stuff that we do, because. One thing I've learned in Singapore is that if you don't appreciate that policy is comms and comms is policy, uh, you're in for a long ride because people may not understand what you're trying to do, people may misunderstand what you're trying to do, and your policy could kind of not achieve its intent really just because people don't understand it, right? So a lot of what i'm doing in my current team is to actually beyond understanding the foundation and and doing some of the call policy work is to also think about how we engage our stakeholders, how we communicate, how we do change management uh and and it's it's a, an amazing way of of reinforcing a lot of these key themes and trends and even with my 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 team uh it's been it's been a kind of reinforcing process for that too.
0: uh what you just said reminds me of uh the ex-former uh, uh, head of civil service, Peter Ong, who used to say that policy is implementation. Yeah. And it occurs to me what you just said, that actually comms is the bridge between the two, right? So there's policy and comms, which leads into a, a good, uh, effective implementation. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I have to give attribution. That quote is from, you know, my MD, Kaif. Uh, so so he's the one who came up with that. And I I've found it to be immensely useful in everything, right? Because... A lot of times when we have all the best intention in our policy, but we don't know how to tell stories, how to compel people, how to really show what we're trying to do, uh, it becomes very hard to bring them on their journey. And, you know, we're in a state of, of of Singapore's story where everyone needs to be brought on their journey, right? It's no longer about top minds just thinking about stuff and then everyone else following uh, there's so many brilliant people out there and it's not just that they want to be heard. they want be they want to feel like they can contribute too. and that's an immense potential to take advantage of, which is why stuff like SG explained, the hidden good, better SG, these are communities, right And what you're really harnessing is the power of people to do stuff together. And when you can do that, you can move much further and much faster than if it's just a couple of people telling people where to go.
0: Yeah, we're we're learning, right? So actually I did a project with your mom years ago <laughs> yeah. where that was the idea was not just to set a policy and throw it over the wall, but to get a whole, you know, a whole number of agencies and social workers all together to co-create what the policy, shape it a bit, mm-hmm. as well as how do we make sure it gets implemented correctly. So we are definitely learning.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a new skill set, right? Which is why a lot of, uh, which is why I enjoy doing what I'm doing on the side. It doesn't feel like a multiple full time jobs. It feels like one big mission that has just different projects and different parts, right? And to me, I see it as many parts of a whole. Uh, I see it as reinforcing parts of a bigger system. And it gives me range in, in some of the stuff I do, right? Uh, of course, there is some of the basic stuff you need to take care of, which is. Balancing your time, balancing your energy, making sure you take care of rest, making sure you're accountable. But I think once you get those things in place, uh, you can really build and scale from there.
0: But how do you, uh, you know, refresh yourself, keep your energy up, um, given all the things that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I think you you just have to be very in touch with where you're at, right? And there are times where I'll catch myself being a bit drained, being a bit... Um, really feeling like I'm just doing stuff for the sake of doing it. And you have to be honest with yourself. You have to catch yourself and you have to say, uh, what can I do to change where I'm at, right? A lot of that means doing something different. So for example, I went kayaking this past Saturday, uh, not because I love kayaking, I do enjoy it, uh, but because I really wanted a change in atmosphere. Right? I wanted a change in perspective. Uh, a lot of it means talking to new people, right? So plugging yourself into different communities, being part of different spaces. A lot of it means just saying, "Hey, I need time off," right?
0: You know, um, in the as explain, you, you sometimes uh, discuss issues that are a little edgy for people, like you say the like race and ethnicity type of issues. Have you ever got any? I don't know, say criticism, but where you know people felt a bit uneasy or or said that you crossed some you know boundaries or yeah. Uh, have you given any discussion around that? Any pushback at all?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a very relevant question.
0: So, you know, when you when you work in
1: this space or when you explore this space, I think you got to go in with your eyes wide open, right? Um, so I'm fully aware of a lot of, you know, the red lines that as a public servant we have to operate in as well. Uh, thankfully, I have good uh, mentors and people within my organization to to kind of give me guidance around some of these things. Um, and so the way I think about it is I, I operate both within the letter of the guidelines as well as the spirit of the guidelines, right? So the spirit of a lot of these things are to make sure that you protect the impartiality of the public service, the policy-making process, um, and and make sure that there's still confidence in the public service. So when I do these podcasts uh, and when we look at these topics, uh, there's a couple of ways we, we look at it. The first is to do a lot of preparation. So when we when we look at social topics, we make sure that we're not uh, you know being biased we make sure that we're not seeming or even creating the perception of bias. So we look at different perspectives. If needed, uh, we bring in voices that may need to represent some of these perspectives. Um, and my voice doesn't need to be the only voice that needs to be heard, right? So so the multiple voices when needed. The second thing is when we look at policy to then just state policy and to let, uh, to let the facts kind of present itself, right? So if there's a historical episode that happened, that will be... In itself, a commentary without needing to be, without me needing to say like this is good or this is bad, right? People can make their own impressions. And I really, at SG, explained, we're not trying to be commentary. We're trying to be a, a narrative building uh, platform for a lot of these topics. We're trying to to show continuity. We're trying to show uh, evolution, for example. And for a lot of that, sometimes a lot of the things are in what's left unset rather than what's set. Uh, the final thing is, of course, to to protect. The spirit of, of the guidelines, which is in all of these things, at the end of the day, um, when when I'm speaking about it, I'm speaking about it in in an objective way, right? And, and we invite comments, we invite criticism, we invite uh, any form of engagement. And you see that in the community uh, engagement that we have whether it's on Instagram or, or on Facebook, a lot of people, they actually show appreciation for the fact that we've explored the range. And they will give their view, not in a combative way, but because they feel like, you know, maybe there's a gap that they can help address or maybe that there's an additional voice that needs to be heard. And when that's done, I think uh, it creates a new kind of space that, that may not have existed before. So... There's a lot of it's very delicate it's it's a lot of deliberation, but the reason why we still do it is because I think it it would be incomplete to do the work that we do and not touch on some of these topics uh but we have to do it in a very sensible way yeah
0: so Rovik, in addition to s g explain, which is out there in the world, I've um, also come to understand that you run a podcast in e d b so'm wondering what that's all about, and do you think other agencies um would consider should consider doing a podcast of their own
1: yeah yeah <laughs> uh so so actually what was interesting was that around just around circuit breaker last year would a lot of people in edb were starting to feel a bit disconnected from what was happening in the rest of the organization i mean the organization was trying its best right they were trying to create regular communication people were using existing comms channels but I think what we were missing was that sort of informality around how we bump into one another and just chat. And a lot of what is the magic of the work that we do there is that bumping into one another, going for coffee chats and stuff like that. So uh, Kaif, my MD, actually reached out and he said, you know, you're doing all these podcasts on the outside. Why don't we try doing one on the inside, really just to, to, to talk about topics and to help people feel connected back to the organization. And so I was more than happy to help out Uh, We have since done 20 episodes. It's called EDB Coffee Chats, and we balance it with, you know, each alternate episode we talk to either an internal stakeholder, so a team that people may not have heard much about or may not be aware of the work that they're doing, or an external stakeholder, so, you know, people on the EDB board or some of our stakeholders from the MTI family. And it's been an amazing journey because we just get this whole range of perspectives uh, people who have listened to the podcast have given feedback that they really have appreciated some of the larger context in which they operate. Uh, for new joiners, especially people who may not have seen other EDB colleagues face to face, it's a good way for them to you know really get a, a softer understanding of what's going on. And it's it's really just a way for to create space for different kinds of conversations, right? So you still have your town halls for like your big like strategic, uh, or operational kind of conversations, uh, and you still have you know your virtual meetings that, that teams run. But this is a different kind of space. And do I think other divisions or other agencies should do it? I think it's up to you know the intentions and outcomes that you want to achieve. I think it's a good tool to experiment with. Uh, it's it's a way to add warmth to your organization and and create some abundance. Um, because people are de- just there to share, right? It's it's really a different kind of space. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love this idea. You know, it is a very different space. Like you say, there's town halls. You, you send out emails and do different things, but uh, this gets the whole organization connected.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, it's it goes back to something I've been kind of discovering, right, which is that actually a lot of the magic that can that can happen is really when you just set some boundaries. You say, hey, we're going to try something here, and actually, uh, you leave people to to do with it what they want, right? So some of these podcasts, yes, like we have some questions that that we have, but a lot of the the real value is when people come and they share things because they want to give back, right? They want to uh, encourage other uh, divisions or other offices to explore a different way of thinking or trying something new, and and we've seen that not just with the podcast, but even other stuff we've done in EDB, we have. Um, a group that explores, you know, topics around uh, inclusion, right? And and that's a, a huge topic that we've seen across uh, society. And, and I think at EDB, we also care about it. We want our our people in our community to feel safe, included. And uh, a lot of that was just, like, at a grounds level, right?
0: So I'm hearing, actually, two potential angles for everyone out there to consider. So one is a podcast, which you say is warm, more uh, informal, uh, bring on different guests with different perspectives. And then this idea of creating uh, spaces for people to have these conversations.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's really just creating accessibility for a lot of people.
0: Because I guess if you're a public officer, well, having been a public officer myself for many years, uh, or maybe in healthcare, it, it is... Something you can only really talk about with each other right? yeah. in, in a way that you can really relate to. So um, sounds like you've been creating spaces for that to happen.
1: I, I mean, I've had great partners. right? None of this was done by myself. Uh, and I, I'm just really encouraged that there are other people out there who want to do these things as well.
0: Clubhouse is a space I think you've gone into, and actually you just told me that it's coming to Android. I yeah. haven't been able to get on Clubhouse yet. You
1: can, you can join us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be great. Uh, so tell me, what's happening over there? Is, it, is that spilled over from SG explained, or something else, or is it just uh, something you joined and been playing around in?
1: Yeah, I think I, I I have the problem, the blessing and the curse of being a first fast adopter. Uh, so when Clubhouse was first announced, I was early on the platform. Uh, when I was on it in December last year, the Singapore community was still not on it. So a lot of it was just going to some of the American rooms or the London rooms and seeing what people are talking about there. Uh, around February, a lot of the Singaporeans and Malaysians started coming on. And in, in a very, very magical way, you started people, and like what I was saying, uh, people who needed a space for topics creating spaces for themselves, right? So at first, it was just uh, Singaporeans based overseas. Who are living in communities where they're kind of confused about, you know, how their governments are responding to COVID, and they want some sort of a connection back to home, to safety, and Clubbers suddenly created a space because the warmth of the voice, the warmth of the voice, uh, you know, just hearing people speak uh, f- made them feel connected, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people were just talking, and then it started breaking out into rooms around education, around mental health around uh, even, you know, current affairs, things that were happening. And I think because of some of the work I was doing with podcasting, as well as some of the stuff I've been learning around moderation, facilitation, it just became a very natural space for me to sit in. And I found myself, you know, contributing, moderating rooms, and helping people kind of create some of these spaces. So I manage a club called the Singapore Club. And it's, I guess I was just a fast mover, so when they announced that anyone could create a club, I was like, someone has to create a single club, and I don't want to fall into the wrong hands. So I trusted myself a bit more, created it, and I gave a couple of people uh, the co-admin role, and, and what we want to do is to encourage people to create spaces for any kind of topic. So we've, well, right now, what I do is I help a lot of people who are you know, domain experts, so there's someone who's maybe a, a, a psychiatrist or maybe someone who's... Uh, cares a lot about education or someone who cares a lot about fitness and they're like I just don't know how to run rooms and so what I'll do is I'll I'll help them co-mod co-moderate the first room and then after that they get to start their own rooms after that so I'm kind of in like a, an enablement role yeah yeah
0: Actually, I don't know if you even know this, but if you remember the the other time we met uh, a few months ago at the conference, and there was an opening session around It's Okay Not to Be Okay, Mm -hmm. and then the one that you were part of. Um, After that, we opened it up to the 600 participants, and there were people turning on their camera and crying into the camera about how they were feeling and, and what a tough year had it been. So. It's, there's something about role modeling vulnerability that creates spaces for other people to also step up. It's it's so lovely uh, to see an experience.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it is just acknowledgement, right? To say, "Hey, like what you're going through, I see it, yeah. and you know, whatever you need, we can give it to you, right? If you if, if we can." And I think those those practices they're not intuitive for us we don't really know how to do some of it sometimes or there's not enough time or resources for it sometimes and so a lot of this is what we're trying to figure out on clubhouse a lot of it is what we're trying to figure out in the communities that i'm in and i think it's a it's a huge factor in how we move forward as well yeah
0: as we start to wrap up uh anything else on your mind Rovik? that y- you feel like from a like an EDB or public service perspective or f- any other thing on your mind, whether it's mental health issues or the public service as a whole?
1: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of things on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe let me let me pull out two, right? I, I think the first one is about just acknowledging where we're at in, in our Singapore story today, right? I think a lot of leaders have come out and said that COVID is really the crisis of our generation, the test of our generation. And uh, I, I believe that too. And I don't think it's just a matter of executing strategy or executing um, a lot of these, these plans that we have and staying resilient. I think all of that is important. But I think it's also an opportunity for us to have a conversation on how we hold space for dissent, how we hold space for some of these conversations that we're seeing starting to emerge right around race, xenophobia, class, Uh, it's not that these are new, uh, but definitely being sparked a lot more. And it's not just affecting the citizenship, right? It's affecting us too in the public service. We're citizens too. Um, I've been thankful to be part of communities within the public service where we're trying to create space informally for for these conversations to happen. Um, the other thing that's sitting on my mind is, you know, I love the fact that we're doing a podcast, right? It's a new medium. We're trying new things. Uh, maybe I'll see you on Clubhouse sometimes, Doug. Uh, but I think experimenting with new ways of communicating and engaging people is is going to be a huge asset, and and we're all going to have to learn it. It's not just about putting out a, a press release or, or, you know, finding a way to to influence uh, social media. It's it's really about true authentic engagement and a lot of that means being human as as a government uh, voice right and I think that's a skill again that I'm learning I'm trying to practice and and I'm learning from others and I think we can all learn together.
0: So uh, we've covered a lot of ground thanks Rovic for this conversation we have listeners I guess from the public service uh, from outside the public service in Singapore and maybe outside um, Singapore as well. So, anything you would like uh, people to take from this, any of our listeners, you want to uh, leave them with a parting message?
1: Yeah, I think the parting message I'd give is always be willing to try new things, uh, believe in the power of people and communities, and I think we're stronger together. Yeah, that's that's really something I hold dear. Yeah.
0: So thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of the podcast and all your sharing and all that you do. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm your host, Douglas O'Loughlin. Follow us for new episodes and visit psd.gov.sg challenge for more public service stories.